Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. Chadwick, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. So how are things with you? And for those that don't uh, know about Chadwick Klein, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you currently do and some highlights of your career? Sure. I appreciate that. So again, I'm Chadwick Klein. I'm a, a SHRM senior, senior certified professional uh, through certification. I currently am the director of human resources for a company named Cifron, and we are headquartered in Twinsburg, Ohio. Uh, so Cifron is the starting point for what they call exceptional retail. Uh, we specialize in the visual presentation of merchandise. So product displays, loss prevention items, um, product facing solutions, uh, we run the whole show in that area. Uh, we have distribution and manufacturing facilities in Ohio, Illinois, Asia, and I kind of run the HR department for our Twinsburg location here in Ohio. Um, yeah, so kind of I'm doing well, just riding that the COVID wave, taking life one day at a time, and continue to try to do do my function well through all that interesting piece. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the every every I think it's great to take that one day at a time approach. I think there's uh, we've we've heard that for the longest time, but we're we're all living it every day. And in the past, it felt like every hour by the by by the hour um, or hour by hour, not day by day. So yeah. Yeah, it's a plan ahead with a willingness to change at a moment's notice, right? Yeah. yeah. So as a, as a director of HR, I'm sure you maybe have asked yourself this question many times, and I'd like to open things up with this. What, what, what do you describe as the purpose of human resources? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think based on your experience, that answer is probably always changing, right? For me, that answer has really changed the last year. Um, I think right now our purpose is really to enhance and promote our organization's leadership ability to lead um, to help support them in their roles their functions to be uh, a good strong support system to help them reach their employees and kind of to be the people the organization needs them to be um, while at the same time then promoting equity and fairness in our organizations make sure that the decisions that our leaders are making that they can kind of look out and see the risks that are inherent to those decisions and kind of help help minimize that impact to the organization and make sure it's a, a fair and equitable place for everyone. I think that really, if you can do those two things, then, then you kind of define the purpose of what the HR role should be in an organization nowadays, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So you're working closely with the leadership team to provide them with the tools and the resources they need to be able to coach, mentor, and develop and get the performance from their employees that, that they're looking for. Is that, that a primary focus of what you're doing? Exactly. I think, uh, you know, they're going through this COVID situation. It's new to them, just like it is to us. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are concerned about moving their business unit forward, still meeting their goals in the midst of these crises. So, you know, how can we come alongside them, make sure that they have options when it comes to leading and managing their people and that they're kind of making those best in class employment decisions uh, surrounding their workforce. I think you gain a lot of credibility and respect in your role right now. If you can partner alongside those, different functions in the business. So how are you going to measure success around that? What I know you're fair, fairly new within this role. So what, what's going to be your, your measurement of success? That's a good question. I think HR people struggle with that a lot, if I'm honest, uh, in talking to different colleagues of how we define our value to an organization, what's our ROI. Um, I, I think it's important 
in any way that you can take data and apply metrics to that is great because it, it data doesn't always lie it's a little more black and white i think in in some cases it's a little less tangible it's a little more relational it's a little more um and we talk a lot about that seat at the table are, are you gaining those conversations are you gaining that ear of those leaders um when you look at the C-suite of the organization, are they coming to you with decisions before they're being made or is it clean up after? And kind of what is that trending pattern of that relationship with your leaders in the organization? To me, that helps define my success in these, these hard times, these times that are hard to define what a good day was and what a bad day was. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover in, in the book kind of the, the seat at the table concept because that I've had I've had a wide range of discussions with other professionals uh, around that that concept, and some feel like you've got the seat at the table. Others are still fighting for it. So there's this concept of, okay, if you don't have the seat, how do you get it? And then once you get the seat, how do you keep it? And then once you keep the seat, how do you leverage it? And then once you've leveraged the seat, then how do you run the place? How can you, as an HR leader, yeah. end up running the place? So I don't. I don't think oftentimes a lot of HR professionals are looking at themselves as I should be the CEO. Uh, and, and in this, the book really talks about kind of the, how do you own your job, right? And be the CEO of your job yeah. and for those that want to, how do you potentially look at uh, having that impact across the whole organization? So, um, so, so that's cool. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, oftentimes there's, there's uh, the definition of those metrics. So maybe um, again, from my standpoint, what we try to do within our organization is try to measure each department, have their specific metrics they're trying to, to reach. And then your your support of them is to help them reach those goals, right? So depending upon yeah. how good or bad they do and how their team does in certain areas, uh, and then looking at that data to, to be more more intelligent with your decision-making, so. Yeah, that's, that's really great, especially if you're business partnering with a specific team that has those metrics lined out, then, uh, you know, to your point, why don't you just line yourself up with those metrics if they're achieving their goals from a people perspective, then I, I am too, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I know it's too early within your current company, I would assume, but is there a particular time in your career where you really saw the influence of HR and, and driving growth or success for some you know period of time? Yeah, I think it, in this current role, and I'm new to your point, I think, not to use a scapegoat answer of COVID-19, um, but I know coming into this role, uh, there is a brand new appreciation for the human resource function with the C-suite level leadership and how HR is viewed and allows the organization to be a little more agile and allows them to pivot a little more quickly based on how our team stepped up and prepared our workforce in a matter of 48 hours to you know shut down, go remote, and come right back up and not miss miss a beat. So, um, but again, that's to the table. I think they had it, but they just leveraged it. They ran with it. They they've proven that hey, in the midst of a crisis, we can be relied on. We can be creative, and, and we can make things happen. Um, so, I know a lot of HR people are using COVID right now, but I think it was perfect. Ne never waste a crisis, right? And this was one of those chances to run with that. Yeah. No. Interesting. So, and I know. In, in your role within uh, Akron Sherman, at least that's how we connected. And I know, I know you follow folks on Twitter and whatnot through social media. Is there, is there anything in particular that you think as a whole uh, makes a, a, a individual within HR stand out characteristic wise? I'm big on 
being able to operate in the gray area and kind of maintaining a sense of neutrality. Um, I think it's, it's no secret. Somebody writes our check at the end or signs our check at the end of the day. We do report back to organization. We have, you know, leaders that we are accountable to, but um, there's always two sides to a story. There's always uh, a way that we can make good sound business decisions, but also have them benefit our people as well. So someone who can really remove from the black and white sometimes, look in the middle and be willing to be confident to have that voice to air both sides of those, even when it would be easier to just kind of fold to one side or the other. Um, and that's what our profession needs is people who are willing to step up and stand out and say, hey, yeah, we've done it this way for so long. This is normal. This is how we can kind of look forward and accomplish our business objectives while taking good care of our people and bringing them with us. Would you, would you suggest, I know um, having, having sat through um, the presentation that I've given on this at, at the local SHRM chapter, uh, one, one, the main premise is thinking differently, being different and taking action. Is there any, any specific item that you think could, could really help someone do that, thinking different or being different? I really liked how you kind of created that, that, uh, that in-between between the employer and the employee and, and trying to, to be adaptable and, and, and work in that gray at times. So is there anything in particular you can, you can stress about you know, thinking differently, being different from an HR standpoint? Getting out of your own uh, organization's echo chamber or your, even your own internal this is how we do HR piece. Um, like Akron Sherm, in my, in my uh, experience has been a, a great resource for me. These are not necessarily people that I would ever in my normal course of life seek out or hang out with. You know, if we're honest, you're gonna mix with a large group of people from different industries, different experiences. Hearing how they're doing HR and how you can pick and pull pieces from different industries, different mindsets. And um, to me, I like to always seek out information. So things like HR, like boss, things like uh, disrupt HR, people who are, whether they're self-labeling or being identified by others in the industry as people who are kind of on the cutting edge of HR, just listening and absorbing those ideas. They might not come in handy right now, but down the road, you're going to be faced with that new issue, that new problem you need to solve. And you've kind of drawn some new neurons, I guess, in your brain to kind of pull back those memories and things that you can apply to your, your new problem. Um, having having sat through the presentation, I know there was a section in it about disliking HR, and it's usually a comical aspect of me asking that question uh, to to a group of HR pros. Is there any experience you've had with individuals within your companies that you've worked with in the past, or stories you've heard as to why why do you think that is, and is it uh, is is it as bad as we think, or is it not quite what what people think? I think, you know, that's a very organization specific question. I think it's two camps of people, right? There's the employee and why they hate HR. And I think it's because HR's tendency to go towards policy instead of people. Um, we need, we want a handbook. We want an outline of what to do in the situation. And we want to push people to that because it's easier. It's less messy. I think uh, if we really sit down and I think another good characteristic of an HR professional would be somebody who can really listen actively and, understand what this person's going through and that, wow, we're dealing with 300 people, this person was problem with individual to them. And they want that at least same respect of being heard, even if we end up having to push them to a process. Um, and I think from a leadership perspective, I go back to right when I got started in HR, uh, Scott Work said one, one of the sessions one time that he said, never be the guy that tells your boss no. 
always listen to them and say, I want to help you get to your solution, say yes to you, but here's what will happen if we make these choices. So I think that helped me as an HR professional, not be the guy in HR that's always just like, no, we can't do that. This is going to get some trouble. Let's talk about what happens if we make that decision. And here's some other options if you don't like those outcomes. So I think not living in those two worlds can really push you to being that HR department that people don't want to go to because you become that bottleneck. You become that, that no guy. If you, could, if you could go back to when you first started your career in HR, what, what advice would you give yourself then knowing what you know now? I think the, the biggest piece would be don't, don't be afraid. Number one would be don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to voice in those hard moments. So when your boss comes in and they're ready to go and they're emotionally charged and they've made their mind up, it can take a lot of wherewithal to stop and say, hey, maybe that is a choice, but here's something else, as opposed to just saying, yes, sir, and getting it done and getting to go home for the day. Um, so being willing to fail, being willing to ask for help, uh, reaching out to other folks and saying, here's my issue. I've got about two hours to get back to the, the table with the decision. Let me hear your best options and kind of build that network for yourself. And then I think three, if I had to give my, my younger self words of advice, it would always be don't stick around too long in a place where you're not value, your role isn't valued and you're not being invested in, um, which I think gets often confused with you know, those two different scenarios. You know, happiness is fleeting. Jobs are going to be good and bad days today. But um, if you're at a place where you're being heard and they're willing to invest in you and, and yourself in the organization, then, then keep giving it your all and revert back to steps one and two. You know, mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to learn and don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah, good for you. Well said. And to, to that point, I'm trying to find talent that fits within your organization, the culture that's the right fit for them and for you. Is there, is there any particular question that you, you found that's been kind of poignant to, to predict the future or a series of questions that can help you uh, make that right match for, for them and for the organization? Yeah. So I'll be honest, John, I'm probably a, an HR heretic for this answer. I really dislike the interview process. Right. You're trying <laughs> okay. to make this lifelong. <laughs> You're trying to make this lifelong decision and then put the decision on like an, a half an hour with four people in the room. Um, but I think my favorite question is is really basically it's just tell me about yourself. It's open ended. It gives that person the chance to tell their story about themselves. I think you can learn if you're really listening. You can learn a lot about what direction how the person will relate to your organization based on what direction they take that answer. You know, what are they starting with? What are they highlighting on the resume? What's important to them? And then my other question really then I, I fall back on is get to the point, what is important to you in your next role? Whether that's culturally benefits, what's your day-to-day -day look like? And if we can't be transparent and honest with each other in that first conversation about what we're offering and what you want, then, you know, the rest of the employment relationship is going to be rocky. But if we can be honest right then and there and say, hey, this is where we don't match up. This is where we do. Um, how can we work for those pieces that don't to get you on because we really would really like you as a candidate? Um, I'm a big fan of that, just transparency, simplicity, and honesty up front. So have you hacked a new idea on how to uh, blow up the interviewing process and uh, do it the Chadwick Klein way? I'm sure you've given that some thought. If you, if you hate interviewing and, and, and that like 30-minute evaluation of a lifelong decision, what's your alternative? 
I don't think I've landed there yet. Besides, let's go get some pizza, right? And just <laughs> we're not going to get away from that too much because, right, we don't have three to nine months to recruit. That's just not how the world's going to work. I don't think in any capacity. But um, I think what it, the big thing for me is coaching our leaders who are interviewing to not put so much weight in these questions um, and not put so much weight in their biases of what an interviewee has to have in relation to the questions they're asking. It should be a very laid back conversation, a very open-ended learning about each other and what fits and what are we really looking for. I think a lot of times we ask questions because we, like, we feel like we have to have good questions and we're so worried about the question we're asking, we're not worried about the answer we're going to get from the candidate. Um, and that's where we line up wrong. We're so worried about those us being prepared and not worrying about the total outcome. Yeah, no, I understand. Do you do you think the the gig economy and and people working kind of well side hustle jobs maybe are not the right word to use, but pe people being more interested in contract work, like kind of um, finding something that works better for them, that that gave them the chance to do a prolonged interview and kind of be easily self-selected in and out of a of a of a, a job or working with a company. Do you do you you think there's some merit to that because it speaks to what you said like hey traditionally people you know if you look back 30 years you'd have two jobs right and yeah, now right. there's this kind of job hopper mentality that uh, is that is that more commonplace and then this whole gig economy which is you, you work here for a short bit and then you go work at the next company and then you take a three-month hiatus and go to hawaii and uh, the west coast and then you get back to it and i'm just curious if that's more um, a generational um, interest and change that we, we may see more and more of. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think generationally that's obviously going to come up, but I think it varies on industry. Um, so if I look back, I did some time with a, a fundraising consultant and they did direct mail marketing, digital marketing, early niche space of like nonprofits and churches and kind of that, more religious section of direct mail fundraising consulting. Now they did a lot of that. So there'd be those gig consultants. Uh, they'd come and they'd specify this, this part of a project and we would work with them on a gig basis. And then that we had a year to understand how that person worked is the quality of their work sustaining. And then we would scoop them up. Um, so I think there's a lot of merit to that in certain industries and certain roles. Um, you know, I don't know what that, it's a good thing to, I don't know what that looked like in the HR world, you know, coming in for like project revamp, like handbook revamps and seeing that. Um, I think right now it's almost you're either a gig HR person or you're a company HR person. There's like big, there's a big line there. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. There's a certain number of positions that are more, more likely to be successful in that type of working arrangement as opposed to to not, and I know cert certain jobs mm. for certain, like like I know tr truck drivers nowadays are really difficult to find. And to me, that's yeah. a sense that uh, the, the, the less experienced generations are not necessarily interested in that work. And I think sometimes they're gonna try right. to, you know, try to find ways to, to do the work they wanna do that they get fulfilled by, which is really what there's a big push in HR to do, right? Find the purpose of the company that aligns with the purpose of the people, and then you have, a bunch of people that don't feel like they're working. Um, they're just doing what right. they want to do every day. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I'm with you. I think if your organization has the ability to go the gig route, um, you're turning down a big section of the employment pool by not trying to tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. So Chadwick, I'll get you out of here on this. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Um, I think someone who's just upbeat, always open to learning new things, um, always questioning. And then someone who's also can do all that, stay ahead of the curve, but not put themselves on a pedestal, if that makes sense. I think we have, we all know and kind of sigh and groan at those LinkedIn influencers who post and the Twitter influencers, the people who can really get in there, be a part of the solution while being able to be relatable to people around them and kind of bring people with them. That's someone who does HR like a boss. I know that part is usually is, is, is a tough balance because you want to, you have to do some form of self-promotion, but you have to be, do it with right. humility. And that's, those two don't necessarily go hand in hand. Right. So well said. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Chadwick. Well, thank you for, for sharing and uh, continued success in your new role. And uh, as, as I, as I kind of recap what, what I heard today and some of the feedback, you re really focused on supporting the leadership group within your company. They're, as, as they get better at what they do, then your organization will, will yield that success. And then uh, ability to be uh, adaptable uh, within the role that you have within human resources, play that kind of gray area and take those one-off circumstances and, and, uh, and, and see, see how you can make it work for both parties. And uh, being you know, yeah. super, super conscientious of um, not always saying yes, and providing unique alternatives on whether this is the right choice to make for the leader or the organization and just kind of vetting out those, those different options. I think those were all unique insights that you shared and appreciated that. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, John. That was good. You got it. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.